2: and neighbors welcome back to the bill press pod and welcome to this friday november 6th end of the week's roundtable well here we are three days from election day two days from our last roundtable and we're still counting votes and even though it looks like we're getting closer we still don't know for sure who the winner is meanwhile joe biden says be patient it'll be over when it's over and i think i'm going to win While Donald Trump says, I already won, and they're trying to steal it from me. So where do we go from here? Will Trump ever admit defeat, or will he have to be forcibly dragged out of the White House? Are we looking at four more years of open political warfare, or will Biden be able to forge a working relationship between Democrats and Republicans in Congress? Joining us today at about 8:15 on Friday morning to try to make some sense of it all. Sadeep Reddy, managing editor of Politico. Welcome back, Sadiq. Hi, Bill. Lauren Burke, news writer for Black Press USA. Hi, Lauren. How you doing, Bill? So, uh, Sudeep on your website, Politico, you show the count now as 264 electoral votes for Joe Biden, 214 for Donald Trump. Uh, is there any path, Sudeep, that you see where Donald Trump could still win re-election?
1: There is the slightest of paths uh, right now, but it is, uh, it is really, really narrow. Uh, it would require uh, Trump to somehow pull off uh, Georgia and Pennsylvania, which seem to be trending away from him uh, right now, uh, and also uh, pull off uh, some of the other states that he needs, uh, uh, such as Arizona and, and Nevada. So the, it's, it's possible, it's just not probable at this point. Um, And uh, we could know uh, perhaps within the hour where this is going.
2: And, Lauren, we woke up this morning to the news that uh, Joe Biden has pulled ahead now ever so slightly, but ahead in Georgia. And as Sudeep mentions, the the, the situation is tightening uh, in Joe Biden's favor in Pennsylvania. Um, Do you think this is basically baked in now?
0: Uh, Pretty much, yeah. Interestingly, he pulled ahead in Georgia because of Clayton County, which is where John Lewis is from. The irony there and the sort of, I guess, uh, mystic revenge of Arizona and the connection to John McCain is (laughs) an interesting thing to think about. Yeah. The I would say that, um, you know, this is what everybody had predicted in the numbers as the numbers came in over the last four days, which is why, of course, we saw the president come out last night to the briefing room and say something, because he knows that it's coming. Uh, obviously, Joe Biden has a record number of, of votes, uh, over 71 million, so he has a... Uh, obviously, he's winning in the popular vote, but as we know, the Electoral College decides the election. So, you know, I think that if we don't find out today... I think everybody's gonna bust. I mean, <laughs> you know, we, we knew that we knew that it was gonna take a little bit of time, but you know, one of the ironies of this entire situation is that you know, waiting to count the votes, the absentees and the, the mail-ins uh, was a Republican idea in places like Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. And that's why we're sitting around and waiting, <laughs> you know, three, four days after an election, uh, when other states who who counted before done, bigger states, bigger states than Nevada and Arizona. So Uh, It is an interesting moment. Hopefully we'll know today who the next president is.
2: So you mentioned uh, the president coming out to the briefing room last night. His appearance was uh, deliberately scheduled um, wisely. I don't mean that too critical uh, to hit right in the middle of the network news. So all the networks, not just cable, would carry whatever he had to say. And it was interesting because, of course, we hadn't seen him since about 3 a.m. Wednesday morning election night. Uh, It was, by any standards, um, a stunning appearance in the briefing room. I think we'd have to agree. Um, Maybe CNN called it the most dishonest speech of the entire Trump presidency. Um, And Anderson Cooper, I thought, maybe summed it up with a very unusual imagery. Let's play that and then Sadiq, get you to comment.
1: That is the president of the United States. That is the most powerful person in the world.
2: And we see him like an obese turtle on his back, flailing in the hot sun, realizing his time is over. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Sadiq, it was a remarkable uh, appearance and, and a whole flood of claims that were just patently not true, Right.
1: Uh, yes, it's uh, hard to get that image out of your head, isn't it? Um, <laughs> the big turtle, right? <laughs> exactly, right. Uh, the, the, the president came out and the first words out of his mouth were not true, uh, saying that he will win if the legally uh, counted votes uh, are, are considered. Um, and that was actually when some of the, the network started uh, moving away from him and, and realized that they actually couldn't air the rest of it. It was actually after that point, I was uh, quite surprised by how restrained the president was. I know that's not a, a word we use very often, but I expected him uh, to, uh, to to basically declare victory and do uh, mm-hmm. do, a, do a lap around it. And he was hedged. So he people had given him words. They had given him things that still weren't true. A lot of things he said afterward weren't true either. Um, but uh, he seemed to be to me. Um, processing defeat. It was, uh, it was almost like a pre-concession speech. Uh, and it was, it was basically the, the lines he would be using to say that, uh, that the election was rigged, that this, this wasn't a a fair process. That is what he's told us he was going to do. He said that in the spring, he said that during coronavirus (laughs) briefings, he said that in the summer, he said that in rally after rally, if I lose, it was rigged. If I win, it wasn't. That is basically what he said in 2016 as well. So he's been surprisingly transparent about all of this. And I don't know that any of us should be surprised, uh, though I was surprised by perhaps how, uh, how he didn't completely say that he's just not leaving office. He's probably probably recognizing that that that's next.
2: But as you point out, he did not claim victory, which some people expected him to. So, Lauren, uh, as Sadiq says, he started out by saying, if you count the legal votes, I win. If you count the illegal votes, I don't win. And then he went on to make another uh, incredible statement. He said, uh, he said, I won. I won Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania and Georgia. And now they're trying to steal him from me.
0: Yeah, well, you know, he can say whatever he wants. I thought it was actually a pretty good performance uh, by the media for once for not just sort of doing his bidding in terms of putting anything up there. And I, You know, you realize that the media is caught in the situation of having to report uh, on the president of the United States. but. When you have an unprecedented liar in office that you know is an unprecedented liar who routinely uses the press as his bullhorn to lie, you do have to act on that. So I think it was MSNBC that immediately cut away uh, because, effectively, what, what he's doing is dangerous when he starts calling on his supporters to take certain actions. So, um, you know, he, he can say whatever he wants, but in 75 days at noon on January 20, 2021, he's coming out of office. So he can say whatever he wants is, you know, supporters can have press conferences and throw up things with no evidence. And Richard Grinnell can get out there and talk. The reality of it is, is that once this election is certified uh, and and it, it more, more than likely will be certified in the favor of Joe Biden, uh, he's coming out of office on January 20. You know, it is interesting to see how daring uh, Donald Trump can get. I'm sure he'll get more daring Um Uh, I think it was Jane Mayer in New York who just wrote a brilliant piece about the fact that one of the points of desperation here is that he will likely be prosecuted if he is not the president of the United States in New York. Surely that is on his mind. There's a lot of debt and and bills that come due for him once he is not, you know, in office. So we are probably going to have some desperate hours, certainly in the next 75 days. But I suspect what will happen is, you know, is, is that Joe Biden will take office on the 20th.
2: So, Sudeep, um, the president also, and uh, I'm just fixated on this briefing last time, because he said something that I had never heard before. Um, we all know that, once again, uh, the polls screwed up, right? The polls just did not reflect what happened. And we can go into that, and I'm sure the pollsters will be going into that for the next four years trying to get get it right. But the president claimed last night that the polls were deliberately wrong pollsters were deliberately wrong, deliberately putting out the wrong message in order to influence the vote against him. And he he said called them, again, a phrase I'd never heard before called suppression polls. it, um, it, it, it,
1: really, it really was a, a head scratcher to say that uh, that the polls were designed to to keep Trump voters from from staying away. When, in fact, Trump voters showed up like that's that that actually could have helped uh, his case in the end, that people showed up. Uh, uh,
2: they certainly showed it. up on Election Day.
1: Exactly, right? Yeah, they showed up on Election Day. They uh, have uh, uh, House Republicans winning seats uh, against all odds in this environment. Um, so uh, Trump, Trump, like whatever, whatever it is, he needs more of that uh <laughs> um, but but there is there's is a, a, a real point here that like whether it's the sh- the shy Trump voter or uh, the difficulties of just polling in an era where where people don't pick up their phones and you're you've got cell phones uh, and few landlines that all of that is is the reckoning for pollsters that we're going to have to, to recognize but um, directionally the polls seem to have been right but they the precision of them is, is wrong directionally. Joe Biden appears to be uh, beating uh, uh, the the generic ballot for uh, House races uh, right now. It's just um, the entire race was off, even on the popular vote, uh, off by several percentage points. Um, It just makes you wonder what is going on here with the the so-called skew here. Uh,
2: I mean, I know a lot of pollsters, uh, we all do. Uh, To me, the idea that all of these pollsters got together and conspired to um, tilt their polls in such a way that would hurt Donald Trump, I find to be uh, so unbelievable, It's, it's, it's actually funny. But Lauren, one group or a couple of groups that the pollsters did seem to either miss or misread are black men and Hispanics, particularly Cubans in Florida.
0: Um, Yeah, we we always have this uh, interesting issue of having sort of a lack of nuance when it comes to Hispanic voters, uh, specifically the Cuban community in Florida. Um, I do think that there's a little bit of hype going on with regard to the black male question and, oh, black men are going for Trump and all this. If you look at the stats, the number one uh, most loyal group for the Democratic Party is black women and number two is black men. So two is black men. And, you know, the fact that they might be, you know, seven percent lower than black women still makes an overwhelming majority of black men who vote for the Democratic Party. Uh, and who are not voting for Donald Trump. Uh, So just because some retired rappers come out and have something to say about some agenda that they want to run in the 11th hour, I don't think that that really changes anything. Uh, So, I mean, I, I do think the fact that the polls are off and the pollsters were off just has to do with the fact that we live in unprecedented times with an unprecedented president who has brought a great deal of polarization into the politics of our country. And that is reflected... Uh, when people who have never voted uh, before show up uh, in droves and we get these record turnouts and record numbers and we see Georgia turning blue and all these things that we've never seen before and Texas getting a little closer. So I think that that probably is it. The posters have always been a little bit a little bit like when you bring your car in, you know, to get fixed. You never actually know what's going on. You just come back and, uh, you know, the car is fixed and they tell you they did X, Y, and Z, but you don't really see the process of polls, polling. Polling has always been kind of a mysterious thing. And I'm, I'm not a genius at math, but it never made any sense to me that you poll a 1,000 people in a state of 8 million and think that that's going to reflect what's going to happen. So I just think that we just have a lot of new people in the system voting, and that's throwing the polls off.
2: All right. So now the um, focus actually shifts, has already shifted, started even before the election, challenges, legal challenges in the courts. And we know they're trying to get uh, the Trump campaign uh, active in almost every state, challenging the vote, trying to stop the count, uh, trying to ask for a recount already up in up in Wisconsin. Uh, And here is uh, one lawyer of a group called Lawyers for Trump. Who kind of lets the cat out of the bag uh, as to what this is really uh, all about?
0: We're waiting for the United States Supreme Court, which of which the president has nominated three justices, to step in and do something, and hopefully Amy Coney Barrett will come through.
2: As she was on Lou Dobbs last night. So, so deep. This is what they. This is what they really. Their ultimate game plan, right?
1: That that was the. The again in plain sight uh, plan, the president of the United States within the last month has said that he was trying to get get another justice on the Supreme Court so that they could throw the election in his favor. He said it. He's just like that. We should, there's no doubt about this anymore because he said it out in the open. Um, And so we shouldn't be surprised by that clip, which was referring to uh, an effort to try to get poll watchers into polling places even though there are poll watchers in the polling places um, the, there are there are just a, a number of things that are that are going around right now that are just not not anywhere close to true and if that is what they want to litigate then litigate like there there some of these races that are decisive are on track to being uh, tens of thousands of votes in Biden's favor and recounts and court challenges might move a few hundred votes, but it's just not going to be enough. This is not Florida in 2000. Even Al Gore this morning is saying this is not Florida in 2000. And and Al Gore also recognizes that he was seen as being behind uh, in that race. And Trump is obviously seen as being behind in this race in a lot of states. So um, it's just it's not a a strategy that's going to work on the legal merits. It is a strategy that's going to work on uh, the public opinion merits in terms of trying to uh, public opinion strategy in in, in trying to energize Trump voters for whatever business venture, a media network, a TV web show, whatever it is that Trump is doing next, and also perhaps for a a uh, a 2020 uh, 2024 campaign either real or imagined that seems to be coming up next
2: oh god forbid we start talking about <laughs> about that but you know lauren i'm not a i'm not a lawyer but and maybe this is really naive but it seems to me if they're going to get to the supreme court the ultimate the us supreme court even a state supreme court y- you need a case right and to have a case you need some evidence <laughs> of fraud i where is it?
0: Yeah, unique cases. You need you need evidence. You need all sorts of crazy stuff like that, right? And you don't. You, it's not contingent on just you talking,
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: mean, right. so, which everything with the Trump but, people always seems to. They always seem to think that if they just talk enough, it's all just going to fall into place. And it's all, you know, based on bravado and talking loud. I think even Scott Walker came out, I think it was yesterday, and said that, look, you know, in these cases where a fraud has been alleged, it may be a 300-vote swing at most. We're talking about differences in these states, you know, most of them, not Georgia or or Pennsylvania so far. But these swings are, you know, 20, 30, 40,000 votes. (laughs) So I'm not sure. What game they're going to run? I also find it weird that the Trump, even even the Trump people, can't possibly believe that Amy Comey Barrett and John Roberts are sitting around thinking about them and thinking about ways to keep him in office, and that's what they get up in the morning thinking about. I mean, I don't understand why there's this assumption that everybody is sitting here thinking about ways to make Donald Trump's life you know, perfect. Like, I, I just don't, I can't imagine John Roberts buying into this. I can't imagine Amy Colby, Comey Barrett buying into this. It's foolishness.
2: Yeah. Uh, maybe they just believe that everybody is as corrupt uh, as <laughs> right. they are. Uh, I don't know. That's an editorial comment on my part. I apologize. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what the hell? Well, um, there is so much more. In fact, I want to talk next about uh, the silence from so many leaders of the Republican Party not joining uh, President Trump's cries for fraud and and stealing the election, uh, which is not making him very happy. Uh, we'll get into that with Lauren Burke and Sudeep Reddy after a quick break here on the Bill Press Pod. And today's roundtable... Brought to you by the United Food and Commercial Workers Union, the good men and women of the UFCW under President Mark Perone, a real powerhouse in the American labor movement who represent uh, workers at our great retail stores like Macy's and Nordstrom's at the big grocery chains like Safeway and uh, Stop and Shop. And also our distillery workers, chemical workers, and cannabis workers. We salute the members of the UFCW. Thank them for their good work, particularly uh, in these days of COVID, where they've been on the front lines from the very beginning. And, we, of course, we thank them for their support of the Bill Press pod.
1: Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.
2: As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job?
1: Figure Lending, LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org.
2: And we're back with today's roundtable. Lauren Burke from Black Press USA and Sudeep Reddy from Politico. So uh, Lou Dobbs kind of uh, summed it up last night uh, in, in a, a plaintive cry for why aren't our Republican leaders joining us? in calling this election uh, a fraudulent, stolen election. Here's Mr. Dobbs. I'm asking why aren't they demanding the Department of Justice step into a political crime that. as it you appears can, you can. obviously to many? Rick Grinnell, former DNI. Up next, where is Attorney General William Barr in this fight for a fair election? Where is the Department of Justice? By the way, where's Nikki Haley, Mitch McConnell? Where are they? All right, Sudeep, where are they?
1: <laughs> <laughs> that, that is the question. Where uh, they, they, are, they are somewhere else thinking about 2024 in <laughs> a lot of cases. Uh, there, there are, I, I think, three kinds of Republicans in this moment, the ones who are the, the Trumpiest, who know that, they, that the, the facts of the, the race don't matter and that just allegiance to Trump. Is all that they need to stand for because that's what their political futures depend on. Those are the ones who are who the, the small share who are stepping in earliest. Uh, there's the group that uh, that is actually trying to to navigate this uh, pretty narrowly uh, and and sound supportive of Trump, uh, but not actually be involved. I think that's the the largest group, the making generic vague statements about it's important for things to be legal and appropriate um but not actually alleging any any fraud because there's very little to allege and then there's a group that's just like out in in total opposition uh to trump a smaller group that's saying this is ridiculous there's nothing wrong here also we won a whole bunch of seats as house republicans so (laughs) if you're saying that this was fraud then uh are you saying that our wins were fraud too um it would be just the the uh the 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 perfect argument to say that uh, Democrats uh, ran this, this giant uh, ballot stuffing scheme, yet screwed up on all of the House races that yeah. they were trying to uh, throw in their favor. And if you can believe it, there are people who are making that argument right now.
2: Right. So, Lauren, it just it seems to me that um, maybe I'm overselling it, but th- this might, this may be the point where people like Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy just say, OK, enough's enough. Right. I mean, look, we've stuck by you for four years, but this is a bridge too far. Am I reading yeah. it wrong?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, obviously, a bridge too far has happened a few times. But When you're losing power,
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: the loss of power will do this. And frankly, I just think these people are going to pull a, a Miles Taylor. At some point, you do have to figure out what happens when Trump is gone and out of power and Joe Biden is the president of the United States and the power shifts and and really only the only desperate holdovers are going to be the ones who are directly related to the White House's power, you know, Trump's son and, and that whole crew that's going to come out of there. So why in the heck would Mitch McConnell say to himself, let me carry on with this charade for what, <laughs> you know, for what? And I don't know what, you know, I don't know what Bill Barr was thinking this entire time, but. Again, if you want to wrap your reputation up in, in Donald Trump, you know uh, I, I think that's just I think that's just such a fool's errand. So they're not there because they, they're coming to the realization that he's losing, he's going to lose this election, and he's going to be gone in January. And he might be, you know, he might be rage tweeting on the side, but that has that that's totally mm-hmm. divorced from being an actual power in the White House, as everybody knows.
2: Right, so that that is a nice transition here, Sudeep, Deep. Into uh, let's assume we haven't heard anything more since we've been talking about from Pennsylvania or Georgia. I, I don't believe, or you would have let us know. Um, but let's assume that Joe Biden is the president; he's sworn in. Mitch McConnell's a Senate leader. Still, it looks like uh, Nancy's the Nancy Pelosi is the speaker. Um, and the House and the Senate are almost evenly divided, right? Almost. Um, more of a margin in the House, but, but still pretty cl- a lot closer than it was last year or now. Um, what does that portend? Does that portend more gridlock or less? Or maybe the possibility, which a lot of Americans have been pining for, right, that the Congress actually work together and get some things done?
1: It uh, probably portends a uh, a cooling off period for the nation, where where politics gets a little uh, calmer. That, uh, if you can believe it, was the entire argument for the Joe Biden uh, c- candidacy. That like this is what what America yeah. needs is a reset moment, um, and that's why you don't have an Elizabeth Warren or a Bernie Sanders uh, stepping in and uh, taking over at this moment. Because if you had a Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Uh, stepping in, uh, and you had this this environment with uh, a very tight House and Senate. They wouldn't be getting anything done on their own anyway, um, without a wave election, and they didn't get the blue wave. And so Joe Biden seems to be the one person who still believes in the institution of the Senate and and working the institution in that way. And uh, he is probably going to be working on figuring out how to r- repair it, but. There's also there's going to be a lot to be, to do in two years on the agency front, on the regulatory mm-hmm. front, and that will keep them busy uh, quite a bit. And I, I think it will mean just less of a shock to the system uh, to see some of that policy roll out over two years. But then uh, what when we get to the 2022 Senate election, there are a lot more Republicans up uh, than, than Democrats, and Democrats have the advantage – uh, in 2022 that Republicans had this time in terms of, of races flipping. And so uh, Mitch McConnell must know that the the fastest way to, to turn this around would be uh, to, to be in total open defiance of, uh, of Joe Biden. And th- these are two mem- pe- people who had a, a functional working relationship uh, in the Senate before. And so there's a, a decent chance we could see uh, something come out of it,
2: right? What do you think it means, Lauren, for the Biden agenda? I mean, he's certainly got uh, his entire government cabinet and and uh, all those positions to fill. Plus, you know, he's talked about wanting to move forward on climate change, and and <laughs> let's not forget the coronavirus record number of the new cases uh, th- that he wants to get busy on, and racial injustice, and um, uh, you know, other priorities of his. Do you think? Uh, this stops him in his tracks, or you know, makes it more possible he might be able to get some things done.
0: Well, uh, like Sudip just said, I, I do think that because Biden, Joe Biden specifically does have an institutional connection, and for that matter, so does Kamala Harris. But uh, you know, Biden has a long, long-standing institutional connection with the people he'll be dealing with. He might get more done than than one might think. Mm -hmm. Um, also the numbers in the Senate, I think they're one down, you know, it's like, you always have this issue of trying to figure out what Angus King and we know what Bernie Sanders is going to do, but, you know, two independents sitting there kind of, we'll see what happens. I don't necessarily think, unfortunately, the Raphael Warnock is going to pull off the, the runoff. Uh, so, you know, I guess the Republicans will be two up. Um, I you know, it'll be difficult, but I don't know that the level of gridlock will be quite the same as it was for Barack Obama, because I, I just don't think that, I, frankly, I think if you give Mitch McConnell sodium pentothal, he would admit that he's <laughs> glad that, you know, Trump is leaving so that they can get some things done. You know, I mean, he'll never admit it publicly, but nobody can tell me that these Republicans who've been whispering to reporters for four years about how draining this has been, nobody can tell me that they're not Secretly relieved on some level that Trump may be leaving power on January twenty.
2: Uh, okay, I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to see that shot of sodium pentothal <laughs> and see what the, what Mitch McConnell would say. So we have to admit that this is um, an election that has dragged on now longer than I think any in our lifetime. Uh, or, uh, and was in some ways messier, but maybe that's just democracy. At the same time, they were dealing with the largest turnout in history. uh, Well, in 120 years, I guess. And they were dealing as John King on CNN kept, kept uh, pointing out, uh, Tuesday night with three different levels of votes. Those people who mailed in their ballots, those people who came in and voted early and those people who lined up all of them long lines on election day. So it was a complicated process still it's pretty messy and dragging on. Are we going to see out of this any demands for reform or maybe uniformity in the voting process, Sudeep?
1: I think we almost have to see something uh, change, at least at the state level. The The that's what I'm talking about, yeah, right? I mean, and,
2: like, everybody start counting their absentee ballots before Election Day, for example.
1: <laughs> exactly. Well, that that is the change that we can expect. The, these uh, Republican legislatures that were preventing it, um, in, in part because they didn't want uh, to to have, have a clear call on election night from mail-in ballots, are going to realize how silly it looks um, to have a state like Florida come out. Uh, which mm-hmm. fixed its its counting after the 2000 debacle, um, and uh, to to look like the ones who just don't have any any idea what's going on. So we could have some pressure there. Um, what we won't have is what some people thought uh, could be possible with a wave election, which be which would mean like a, a new Voting Rights Act. Uh, that's not in the cards. There's nothing at the federal level that you're going to see beyond maybe some some uh, blue ribbon commission type stuff, uh, but. But that's that's just
2: about it. We just learned that uh, Joe Biden has taken the lead in Pennsylvania earlier today, or maybe it was late last night. Uh, Joe Biden took the lead in Georgia. Um, Let's just stop there and say um, that is huge news. And if it continues in that direction, um, it's all over, Lauren.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'm looking with the sound office, Steve Kornacki yeah. doing quick math, and he, yeah, he's, he's up 49.4 to 49.3. So if that holds, obviously, along with Georgia, which was, of course, the mathematical prediction from so many, you know, days ago. Right then at some point, somebody is going to call so, one of these. I, I, yeah, I'm sure Associated yeah. Press will take a while, but they do have 5% to go in Pennsylvania.
2: So, Sadiq, I don't have the math right in front of me, but that means that Joe Biden doesn't really need Nevada or Arizona, doesn't it?
1: Right. Pennsylvania is is the, the ball game, and it prevents uh, the Trump uh, camp from talking about Arizona and that call on election night by Fox News that, that shifted the narrative very quickly. Um, Pennsylvania is it. It is the Uh, It is uh, a a victory uh, that Joe Biden will will love to have putting him over the edge because uh, it is uh, what he considers uh, one of his home states, Um, and it is one that, that Donald Trump was really fighting hard uh, to maintain the number of stops in Pennsylvania in the wow. last couple of weeks was incredible.
2: Yeah, I think he was uh, Donald Trump was in five five times in Pennsylvania in the last couple of days. Uh, I believe I remember. Um, uh, just one final question on that process. We were just talking about. Um, so, Lauren, do you think that this uh, as Steve was saying? I mean, Sudip was saying rather we'll be there'll be certainly efforts to try to get some uniformity and some some reforms. Uh, Florida did it. Other states might feel that it's up to them to do it now. Would that include, will that include a uh, serious look at the Electoral College?
0: Uh well, one would hope. But, I you know, I doubt it. it was electoral college is this thing we always talk about changing that we never actually change. <laughs> you know, I, right. I think that the the thing is, I think Biden will get more done than people think. The idea that he won't is probably more based on the fact that we have PTSD from Donald Trump. I mean, we obviously do know that our politics are divided, but I do think that Biden is sort of a special creature of the Senate and will end up Hanging out at the members' gym and be there more than you know, the normal president, you know. So he may get more done than people think. And uh, until we find out about what the results are in Georgia uh, fully with the two Senate races, um, you know, we, we really don't know how gridlocked up they will be.
2: All right, I promise. Final question. I'd just love to get your take on this. I'm intrigued by this. What let's 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 assume now again. Joe Biden's the president. Donald Trump is out of the White House. What are Republicans, what's going on inside the Republican Party right now? What's going on inside the head of people like those who ran the Lincoln Project or Nikki Haley or Ben Sasse, uh, Sudeep? Uh, Is it going to be Trumpism back again in 2024? Or or are there going to be an effort to get the Republican Party back more toward the mainstream?
1: You know, they they all uh, must be just like gripped with this panic about, uh, the fact that they, so many of them don't want Trump in the picture either, uh, because they want their, their shot in the spotlight. Um, and they don't want him hogging it and stealing the attention. Um, but uh, it's that, and also the panic that they need Trump in the spotlight. Trump is a turnout machine. He got, More more people to turn out than any losing candidate uh, in history. This is that he is is one of the reasons why they they pulled off uh, a a close election, and so they they need Trump, but they also don't want Trump in many ways.
2: They also know he's not going to go away.
1: Not going away. What do you
2: think, Lauren? What are they thinking?
0: Uh, well, if I was at the Lincoln Project, you know, I'd be thinking of trying to figure out a contract with DNC and DCCC. <laughs> I, just, I think the fact that Republicans do messaging so much more better than the Democrats is, is shocking and amazing. Uh, I, I don't know what really happens to this iteration of the Republican Party. Um, at some point, one would think that they would want to get back to actually trying to govern and this thing not just be about who we can scare, who we can be against. Uh, and who we can light up on social media because this party has been led by the southern strategy now for so long you would just think that somebody would come along and try to change that. I don't think that the politics that Trump employs works on on yeah, okay, yeah, it's a turnout machine. It's also a turnout machine for Team Blue. You know, it's a turnout mm-hmm. machine for for Democrats. And so yeah, uh, but I, I just don't think that it's a long-term strategy. The demogra- demographics in this country are obvious, and the Republican Party at some point has to figure out what their future is and not just always be acting in the here and now, what feels good in the here and now. I just I just think it's not a working strategy for the future.
2: All right, Sadeep Reddy and Lauren Burke. So we, what a great way to start this day, and it looks like now we may end this day. Um, by knowing for sure who the next the 46th president of the United States will be. And it's certainly trending toward a uh, very strongly trending toward Joe Biden. Sudeep Brady, managing editor for Politico. Thanks again, Sudeep, for being with us. Thanks, Bill. And Lauren Burke, a uh, news writer for Black Press USA. Thanks, Lauren. Always good to have you.
0: Yeah, Bill, thanks again.
2: All right. And thank you all for listening today. Uh, Your patience may finally be paying off. We may finally see uh, the end of the road today, at least this phase, the counting phase of the votes in election 2020. Uh, This is the Bill Press Pod. We thank you for joining us and remind you to subscribe to the Bill Press Pod by going to wherever you're listening to this podcast. Pull up the Bill Press Pod, click on subscribe, and you are in. Meanwhile, stay strong, stay patient for just a little couple of hours more more. Uh, Stay safe and we'll see you on the next edition of the Bill Press Pod.